said I swore an oath. Words. Monsieur, words are what men live by. Words they say and mean. You must have had a real careless upbringing. So let's try to actually have an intro. That's the Cowboys. It is the Cowboys. Yeah. I was like, that's totally the wrong one, and now I can't think of the right one. And loving you is wrong. I don't want to be right. What? Why are you looking like all googly-eyed? Why? Is it because you love the Comancheros? It is because I love the Comancheros. Why do you love the Comancheros? What is the Comancheros? Comancheros! Hello and welcome to the Ducks Never Waver Lunch Break, where you get food for thought and can rejuvenate to sally forth. Join the dynamic duo, Edwin and Megan, as they explore topics of gravitas and pomp brought to the brink of absurdity and thrown off down, down, down the precipice of ridiculousness. Okay, so here we are. It's lunch break for you, but it's late at night for us. So welcome to what we're doing here. Um, and it was like none of that information was needed. But What if they're working graveyard shift? I mean, you can't. I mean, I really don't care when you listen to it, as long as you listen to it. But I'm just saying, the time at which you listen to this is different than the time being recorded at, at which we recorded it. Indeed, verily, yay. And therefore, strange things may happen. And if there's any minor deviance in the quality of our voices, we both have been sick with flus. Oh, yeah. Can you hear it? I feel like, like t- today, I feel like I'm a new woman. <laughs> because I've not been hacking up gallons of phlegm. Phlegm. My, 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 um, one, my, my four humors have been out and it's just been phlegm. Yes. There's been none of the other three. Uh, I didn't, and, your and voice so, is a little different. My voice is definitely still different. I got, okay. I, I, I can tell. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we're just lower. Huskier. Yeah. Yeah, so more... cool. We're finally cool. Yes. Just like, Thanks, oh, hi. <laughs> We're just, so excited about things. Just feel a little bit like Clint now. <laughs> does he growl like that? He does growl. Haven't you noticed, especially like in Gran Torino? In his okay, older, older, in his, in his older, older films, movies, he, does, he does growl more. Yeah. 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 Or is he breathing? You can't really tell, but... <laughs> I feel like Grandpa Cock used to do that. Yeah, it's an old man thing. Yeah. I can't wait to be old. I feel like I already act like I'm old because I do the <laughs> standing up and like the weird, like all of a sudden like my grandpa will come out. I'm like, why? Why? I am a young woman in my prime and I sound like my grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's strong genetics. Yeah, like, it's you know, very it, strong. It runs deep. I mean, you know, 80 year old man with two knee replacements. That's what peak male performance is. <laughs> Today we are talking about Comancheros, movie that stars John Wayne, Stuart Whitman, and directed by Michael Cortez. Cortez? Cortez. Cortez. Well, it's difficult to say because it's not in English, so 
What? Well, Michael. <laughs> well, like, well like, Michael, you know. Well, <laughs> no, like. You've been coming with the fairy folk. Okay, but let's face it. Names are hard because it could be Michal and what? Curtis. You just said Curtis normally. I thought you were going to say Curtis. Curtis. <laughs> You're so My, weird. I need to not look at a word when I try to say the word. <laughs> you need to close your eyes and then just picture it. In your inner eye of like, no, just I, guess what it might be. No, the spelling throws me off. Well, then you should ask me. Megan? Yeah? How do you say this? Michael Curtis. Okay. And what's important about Michael Curtis? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't even on purpose. That was just... What is so important about that guy, our director guy? Well, it's just worth noting that he, he directed classics such as The Adventures of Robin Hood. Uh, there's a co-director with that, too, but that's another story for when we actually do a podcast on that movie. And also Casablanca. So, and um, movies like Seahawk, and and so, um, yeah. Competent chap, you might say. Indeed. Yay, verily, yay. Yay, verily, yay. The Comancheros. I Do you want to do a plot synopsis? I think we should do a little synopsis because I don't think it's one of the best well-known John Wayne films out there. No, no. And I, and we'll get into why we picked this movie to talk about considering yeah. that it's not, you know, top tier. It's not, you know, the it top p- 10 John Wayne movies. It's it, And it's definitely it's, probably not in the top 10 uh, westerns ever made. No, no. And yet, there's value to it, and that's yes. hopefully what we will will bring out. Exactly, we will. We are highlighting this piece of art. <laughs> highlighting for, <laughs> for a certain distinctive <laughs> for, for certain distinctive qualities. Yes, but first the synopsis. Yeah, I would say that this takes place <laughs> in the would, West. Of all the things to say confidently and definitively is the plot synopsis of a movie you've seen over and over again. I'm like, well, to me, it was set in the West and of like John Wayne was in it. And I think he was a Texas Ranger. Okay. Historical setting. This is before takes place just before Texas is admitted into the Union. So this is prior to the Civil War. It starts off in Louisiana, where Monsieur Paul Regret has fought a duel. Dueling is not... Legal. Legal, but it's... The, the, the justice... law turns a, turns a blind eye because as long as everybody's doing it mm-hmm. somewhat honorably, then it's fine. Yes. Which apparently happened in America for quite some time. Dueling... Oh, yeah. I, our president, uh, Andrew Jackson, was well-renowned oh, for yeah. having several duels, even a couple while being president. Yeah, and it was very common to get hit Yeah, in a duel, and then you would just survive. Like, you just kind of shrug it off. Yeah. 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 Old hickory. <laughs> New, New government. government. Eh? I didn't get that. <laughs> <laughs> Neither did they. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta cut that out, but it just cracks me up. Well, I can leave it in. Okay. They can go and research that themselves. Yep. He kills a man while dueling. Mm-hmm. And he's told he's going to have to go to jail now. I was Wait. like, why? Well, because nobody's ever killed the son of a 
famous judge before. Yeah. So he takes off across the country because he doesn't want to go to prison and, and get hung because he killed a man. Hanged? Hanged. Thank you. You're welcome. And what's interesting, though, is that right away, this is going to tie into our overarching theme that we'll get to in a little bit. At this point, he's told uh, the doctor the says, one can't run away like a common criminal when one has vindicated themselves on the field of honor. Mm-hmm. And Regret says, one can. Yes. So there's interesting because... Regret the the character of regret. He's a little bit of a scoundrel. Played by Stuart Whitman. Yeah, he he's a scoundrel. He's a card shark, a gambler, kind of. He wouldn't be somebody you would choose to have your sister date. Mm. Right. He is pretty though. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Anyways, he he's just. He's got a four hundred dollar suit. Yeah. But he takes off running. Next, we're introduced to the uh, love interest of the movie. Her character's name is Pilar, played by Ina Boleyn. She takes a fancy to this very pretty man. And, you know, they're on the river boat. Things. Yeah, they're now on a riverboat. You didn't say that, but they're now on a riverboat. And, you know, things happen. <laughs> wow, you're never going to get through this. You're so slow. <laughs> things happen. <laughs> Witty repartee. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is such a mess. Okay. They meet on the riverboat. Meet on the riverboat. Fall in love on the riverboat, except they don't really fall in love. They use each other. Basically... The handbill for regret has gone through all the states, right? It's mm-hmm. not just Louisiana, but because this this judge is so influential and he really wants this guy caught, it gets word spreads all the way to Texas, which makes mm-hmm. it the Texas Rangers deal uh, because they've said that they'll help find yeah. this guy. Yeah. So that's when we meet John Wayne. His character's name... Jake Cutter. Jake Cutter. Captain Jake Cutter. And he f- finds regret on the, the riverboat that has just docked in Texas and arrests him. After arresting him, he has to bring him into jail. Regret escapes eventually. I regrettable. Think need, I think <laughs> it is regrettable. I think we have to do this faster, though. Okay. Then <laughs> there's a secret gang of people selling guns to the, the Indians. Captain Jake Cutter knows that he's going to find them somehow. They get a lead. He follows that lead down. He makes it so that he ends up being the inside man delivering the rifles to this gang of cutthroat, bloodthirsty people. Then, by way of happenstance, Paul Regret ends up back in the picture and he has to end up helping John Wayne. That is Jake Cutter. Then, together, they go into the secret high camp of the bloodthirsty <laughs> Calmancheros. Then, after all that happens, they win! Fight and win! There's the story. Confront the problem. Fight. Win. And call me when you get back, darling. I enjoy our visits. What a rush. What a reveal, the rush. That's the Comancheros. The the band of cutthroat. <laughs> Bloodthirsty. <laughs> Bloodthirsty. <laughs> Bloodthirsty. <laughs> what were they? What did you call them? 
Hooligans? Hooligans? I don't know what you call them, but anyways, they're, they're the Comancheros. Yes. But what we're, we're going to talk about here is there's a theme running through the movie, which is summarized in the middle of the film by the line, words are what men live by, words they say and mean. And we're going to develop going back and forth through the movie. Yep. Uh, I'm pulling out that thread. And I, and I think it's really cool to talk about this movie because the script is really tight, which means that they, they are consistent with this idea Yeah. of, you know, do you do what you, you say you're going to do and what, what do words actually mean and what's, do you hold to those words? Yeah. And every movie has a message, right? And no matter what genre, you know, what kind it is, highbrow, lowbrow, middlebrow, unibrow. It's plucked brow, even. <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting, but people will say, well, it, I didn't write this to have a theme. Well, people maybe don't write everything to have a theme, but you cannot escape the fact that worldviews are going to come through and certain thematic things are going to come to the surface. Yeah, and it's, it's, and just, I think good, it's, better... it's just good writing, though, that because this way we see character development. Right. Like It's nothing like bonk you over the head of like, oh, this is the moral at the end of the story. It's not like that. No. It, it's... And it shouldn't be, but it's it's really refreshing to see a movie that has a focused approach to it, like that they're not trying to throw too many different things inside of, of yeah. one movie, too many different ideas that kind of clouds the characters instead of yeah. enhances. And and I think this is something that, you know, when you you watch it for the first time, you're going to be like, oh, words are what men live by. You're going to catch that line. Yeah. Right? It's a very obvious, it's actually very stark. Have you noticed, like, in that scene, like, it's just the two actors writing. Yep. Nothing really going on in the background either. Nope. Like, it's just them writing and talking. And so that really calls attention to itself. But if you watch it kind of looking for that, you can pick out all the characters are kind of struggling with this, what are your words? Yeah, and, and Cutter's the only one that has it fixed in his mind. But you have Pilar and you have Regret, who are immature and don't understand what words mean. Yeah, and and Pilar has a very much a kind of a young person's idea of words. Is is that she thinks everybody uses everybody? Yeah, there are means to end. You just say what you need to get what you want. Exactly. So the words don't have to be true because all everybody knows you're not being true. Yes. As long as you get what you want in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and one of her, her first lines is that uh, Regret and, and Pilar have gotten together and Regret says, I love you. And Pilar says, no, I, I believe men and women all over the world are saying, I love you, when what they mean is, I desire you. Mm -hmm. So she's saying, this isn't love. Yeah. Right? You're, you're lying. Yep. 
you're not saying what you actually mean, but she kind of views of like, well, nobody says what they actually mean. Mm-hmm. So she's not like, oh, liar! 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 Get back, witch! I'm not a witch, I'm your wife! Yeah. She's saying like, oh, nobody says what they actually mean, but I know better. Yeah, I'm smarter. Yeah, I'm smarter than that. All through the movie, Paul Regret is it's like, well, if, if I, because he's being held, transported. Detained. Detained by Cutter. Uh, so they have to travel back to, to uh, the ranger's station, right? Yeah. And so Cutter is bringing his prisoner in. And over again, uh, Regret says, well, if I gave you my word of honor as a gentleman, would you take these handcuffs off me? My friend, you're a very brave man. And pretty soon you're going to catch on I ain't your friend. Captain Jake, you know, it's getting very tiresome lugging the saddle around. I don't suppose you take my word of honor that I won't try to escape. Monsieur, you are a Lulu. Yeah. And Cotter says no, and next thing you know, regrets pulling a gun on him. How dare you walk into my office and pull a gun on me? Get your finger out of the end of my gun. How dare you pull a gun on me? I said take your finger out of the end of my gun. Well, until I do, you better take your finger off that trigger and let the hammer down real slow. You know, and then right after that, basically, he's like, oh, you know, if I gave you my word of honor. But also the recurring line is a a recurring line, which I love in movies when you're able to bring, you know, that recurring line. Just in writing in general, but even more so in movies, that regret keeps calling Cutter my friend. It's like, oh, my friend, why do you do this to me? Yeah. And Cutter's like, I'm not your friend. Sooner or later, you're going to figure out, I'm not your friend. You know, and so he uses that word so jocularly. Yeah, but see, there, there's there's and a thing. And then Cutter's like, like, no, I'm not your friend. Stop saying that. Yeah. You know? And... But that's partly because regret doesn't know what it is to be a friend because a friend has certain obligations, right? Mm -hmm. Right? So he doesn't, he's not using words correctly. And that's what this movie is all about. It's like uh, Jay Cutter is somebody who very consciously uses words correctly and then does what he says. Mm -hmm. So his actions and his words align. Yes. Well, it's just interesting. It struck me now. So then... At a certain point, regret actually saves a bunch of people's lives, including Cutter's lives, by going getting the the yeah. the um rescuing them from a yeah. India so attack. they're they're at a grain station, which of course is run by by family, and and they're trying to get the family out, but there's reasons why they they can't, and so some of the rangers are left behind, and then the rest of the rangers move out, and then there's an Indian attack on the grain station. Regret gets free because like you you know. You unhandcuff him? You take the handcuffs off. Yeah. And you're like, here's a gun. And of course, he uses that opportunity to get away. He actually goes and brings the rangers back, saves the day. Which I think is incongruent with his words at that point. He, he, if he was congruent with his words, he would have run away. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Or at least if he if he was consistent with how he was acting up to that point, because he's already run away from Cutter once. Yeah. At that point. So yeah. Cutter's looking at this guy, it's like, oh, he's long gone. 
Yeah. Like, he already smacked my head over with, with a shovel and ran away once. So he's, he's definitely He's definitely there. gone. Yeah. And then he, he doesn't run. Yes. But I thought the, what, what was interesting about that is it brought about an interesting scene where basically all the rangers attest that Paul Regret has been part of the Texas Rangers for the last two years and he couldn't have committed the murder in Louisiana. Yeah, so, the, so the rangers, they lie. The, yeah, that's the thing. The rangers feel a debt yeah. because because of, of regret. They He saved numerous lives. Yeah. And so they're like, okay, well, there's a, you know, we owe him this. And that's when they, you know, all commit perjury together, like 20 guys. Yeah. Commit perjury and a judge. Yep. Commits perjury uh, to say that Regret's always been in Texas. He's been a ranger for, you know, three years or whatever. And so he's he's not the guy you're looking for. Yeah. And so that's the interesting thing is li- like he's lying. Liar! 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 And that's where we get into the idea of codes that's tied in a lot and that's associated with Westerns. Right, as, yeah, you oftentimes hear the code of the West, but it's it's the idea uh, uh, that's really clearly brought out in the in the shootest is like I have my code, my standard, and I hold myself to it and I hold you to it. He had a credo that went, "I won't be wronged, I won't be insulted, and I won't be laid a hand on. I don't do these things to other people, and I require the same from them." Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not necessarily the legal code. Like, you have a code legally, but you also have a code as a man. Yeah. Right? And I think the lie comes out of our code as as men. Like, we don't let someone who's done this, this act on this, you know, mm-hmm. magnitude and risked so much for himself, right? It's a, yeah. such a sacrificial act. Uh, we can't let that go and just let him be hanged for a murder. It's not really even a murder, though. I mean, it is murder. <laughs> let me qualify that. It is murder. But in the sense of it was a duel and he did not cheat at the duel. Right. The, the whole that, that, that they lie, I do think, is interesting. But then I think that's the thing, though, is that that's actually a turning point in... Regret's character, though, is he actually does start to live the words he speaks. Mm-hmm. And so what you see is that that code and that wisdom, they're, they're ingrained together. So it would have been, I think, the deeper lie to let somebody who is good or did something good pay, for, pay unjustly. For 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 their uh, for something, so mm-hmm. it it was kind of a balancing, a reckoning. Yeah, and also it wasn't Cutter alone. Like it's not like he all of a sudden goes rogue. I think it's the fact that it's the Rangers collectively. Right. Well, that's the thing, though. Is like Cutter wouldn't have let him go. No, alone. and that's where we had that scene, that p- pivotal scene when there is just one sewer, Paul Regret and Jake Cutter. Where, again, monsieurs are, are, like, saying, like, why are you doing this? Like, why are you so 
pig-headed and just like, yeah. so ornery about this. Like, yeah. just let me go. And like, at, and he's also like, too, like, hey, I just did this really great thing for you guys. Why don't yeah. you let me go now? Uh, and, you know, Cotter kind of lets us in and lets him in on an inner dialogue that he's been having. And so he says that he's been struggling with this. Yeah. Uh, and, and is that you can't let him run. You took an oath. And and right away regrets. Well, what an oath? That's just that's just words. And that's when we get the line that words are what men live by. Words they say and mean. And words really shape our entire life, our entire existence. They're they're how we were created. Yeah. It- and so words are so important. And if we start devaluing our words, then we have nothing. We've devalued our life. Yeah, when we use words purposely and, and they form not just our thoughts, but they, words turn into actions. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, you see that a lot here in, in the Comancheros is you either see words going against actions or words aligning with actions. Yeah, and but you can see that in everyday life that you have to... Your words have to align with what you're 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 doing. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it doesn't. People around you aren't going to trust you, and people are. They, if you promise to do something, and you don't do it, people will say you're lazy. But if you say, "I can't do that" or "I won't do that," then they're like, "Well, he said he wouldn't do that. That makes sense that he's not doing it." Mm-hmm. To do what you say you're going to do. Yeah. When? Well, it should maybe make you more careful to to not say that you're going to do something. Yeah. Not to say that you should just right away be like, ah. No, but maybe my point is is you need to set expectations too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I will do that after I get X amount of things done. Or I can't do that right now, but I'll do that in a month's time. Mm Mm-hmm. Because then, then you're very clearly, I mean, I think, and then too, it's more meaningful for you too, because then you're, you're actually, you're not saying, oh yeah, I'll do that. Knowing you won't do that. You're not lying to yourself and lying to other people. Yeah. Where, where do you think like you see what you, you say has to align with what you do? Like your, your actions control your words and your words control your actions. Uh, but I think what's hard is when, when you, when a way of feeling very ill at ease is when you know your words are going against your actions. Yeah. Or when you say things that you know aren't true mm-hmm. or even to the point of you say things and you don't know if it's true or not. I fall into this very quickly sometimes mm. because I'm good at making up things. <laughs> so people will be like, why is it this way? And I can come up with a reason that mm-hmm. sounds reasonable mm-hmm. for it to be that way, but I don't legitimately know why things are a certain way. Kind of like, why do we keep the peanut butter in the fridge? And I because there's uh, oils that go rancid. Yeah, but that that's a that's a fact. But oh, is it though? No? Yeah, but uh, maybe I need to come up with a more complex <laughs> complex. I don't, Example. That, I don't know. I feel like that's also on them not to be a buffoon. If you're, yeah. <laughs> if you're just, 
you know what I mean? I don't know. I feel like that's a little bit, you're being hard on yourself. Like, if you have a reasonable explanation, they're like, oh, yeah, that could work. Yeah, I, I think... It's not a lie. Well, no... you just like, I, I don't know, but I came up with something reasonable. And- yeah, well, I, I would just say, like, I, I think it's okay to say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You... And then come up with something really clever. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's that's the way I've been doing it now. <laughs> I say I don't know, but perhaps it could be this very reasonable thing that I just made up. Yeah. Exactly. But no, like that's the whole like the whole point of, of worship is like what you say, you know, goes into what you do, and like what you do goes into what you say. What you say. Words typically come before action. Yeah. Well, I mean, then we can get into this whole discussion of, like, is everything... Like, because you have to have the thought before you do something. Is it all words? Words, 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 I'm so sick of words. I get words all day through, first from him, now from you. Is that all you blighters can do? Yeah, that's an interesting field of philosophy. And it... What's it called? Left field? People would say semantics, but it's not semantics. Semantics is is playing around with the 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 meaning of words. Mm. So it's related to semantics, but it's also it's something else that completely escapes my oh, mind right okay. now. But the idea of symbols and and do s- symbols have meaning? Do words have inherent meaning? It's it it gets to be a little bit of a trip because. When you say the word chair, when you when you say chair, let, let's take chair for instance. Mm-hmm. Are we thinking of C H A I I R, or are we thinking of this thing that we sit on that has four legs, typically a back? Are we thinking of of the thought? Can and you, then, and then can what you is? You know, it's really interesting because we're sitting right now. Yeah. I was as you were saying that I. Th- saw the word flash over like your preschool symbol of a chair of like mm-hmm. that wooden just yield you know yeah. back chair yeah. and also I had a heightened sense of sitting and feeling the cushy beneath my tushy just just <laughs> caressing one's bottom <laughs> but no like, I honestly did though it, that, that didn't help at all, oh, but, but I just thought that was interesting. Well, that's the thing. There's people who say that in their mind, they, when you say chair, they think of the word chair in English, mm-hmm. mostly. But there's also people who barely think of the word and, and visually see in their mind's eye mm-hmm. a chair. Mm-hmm. But then there's also people who describe the feeling of a chair, just like mm. what you just did. Mm-hmm. And then we we sometimes then you get into the idea of like, well, what is the core of of chairness? Because mm-hmm. a chair doesn't have to have four legs. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. But like, isn't it a stool then? Not necessarily. Like that's an interesting thing. Is when does a chair become a stool and a stool become a chair? Like at what point are the height they, and uh, legs? Yes. But you can have a three-legged chair. You can have a two-legged chair. You could have a no-legged chair. Yep. It's called a beanbag. <laughs> <laughs> it's called happiness. Um, it's 
called See being a, a be- cool kid in the 2000s. Is it a bed? Is it a chair? We don't know. <laughs> Get enough of them. It can be anything you want. <laughs> um, but it it's funny because I haven't spent a ton of time reading people who to who argue about this, but it 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 is does beg the question: What is the thing itself? So mm-hmm. is a chair a chair in the word? Is it in its chairness? Is it something else? Mm-hmm. Is it a conglomeration of those all those things? Amalgamation. Yes. I said that word really weird. Amalgamation. That's that's it right there. Amalgamation. Yep. Amalgamation. So I'm inclined to think that, but it does make but you like think you're a saying, lot. Like you can't separate one from the others. Try, try, try to separate them. It's an illusion. Try, 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 and you will only come to this conclusion. You can't have one, you can't have none, you can't have one without the other. So, like, if you're saying, like, is, is it the word that means chair or is it the chair that means chair? But, like, yes. Right, yeah. because you have the physical object, the material object chair, but you also have the word chair, and both mean chair. And neither one would exist without the other. Right. When it comes to symbols for chair, there's many different languages that have chair mm-hmm. in them, and they're all different. Mm-hmm. So it seems that in each one of those languages, that that symbol is directly connected to the chair, but the idea of chairness is somewhat independent from the symbol, mm. to my way of thinking. Mm-hmm. I, like, can you make a chair without knowing what a chair is? No. I mean, I, I guess you could if someone else who knew what a chair was could use different words and different symbols to get you to making a chair and then say, look, you just made a chair. But you would need to go to someone who actually knew what a chair was. Yeah, I. But that, Does that make sense? A little bit, but the. the What's wrong I, with that? I, no, I'm just thinking about the first guy who ever made a chair. He probably didn't call it a chair, right? But he thought, "Man, my knees really hurt going all the way down to the ground. Mm-hmm. So let me make a platform, which I can rest on, kind of like those logs I sit on, but a little bit lighter. It's going to be like fancy, yeah. fancy logs." Well, then we're, I mean, I guess, are you pulling out etymology then? Like, where did the I'm, word I'm not trying, come from? Like, no, I'm trying to, I'm trying to tease out where the thought of a chair came from. Well, probably, like you're saying, a log, like saying, like, I want yeah. this to be, I just want to customize it, right? Yeah, you, you just I want to make this log better. Yeah, so, like, you probably, like, have the log stump, right? And you're sitting on that, and you're like, oh, I want it higher up. And, like, oh, I like something to lean against. So then, like, oh, how do I attach something to the back of this? Yeah, and, then, man, this one log is kind of heavy. What if I make it out of smaller pieces of wood and so on and so forth? Yeah. But that's the thing, and then all of a sudden you have the idea of of chair, and you have to call it something, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's no longer just, just a stump. Mm-hmm. But what if there's no original thoughts and that it was already there well that's the thing right the idea was that's what i always think about solutions to problems is they're always there but you don't realize it you're at work and you're trying to figure out how to like get a bearing loose 
there's the way to get the Baryon loose is always there, but until you try it, it doesn't actually exist in a loose state, mm-hmm. right? Until you find that solution. I'm just laughing because we are so weird. <laughs> we're <laughs> we may be weird, but at least we're we're weird in a special way. And weird in a special way. That is like every like anytime like your babysitting like three year olds and they show you something you're like wow that is really special. Lost in the Cosmos is a really good resource for for some of this. Yeah, I w- I would <clears throat> say read that book. I mean, he has a whole chapter on mm-hmm. the branch of philosophy that deals with symbols and yeah semantics and so on. Yeah, uh, semantics is a little bit people say disparaging now because oh it's when, just semantics. Yes. That's what I've heard. I actually don't know what that means, but... So maybe you can explain what that means, because I always hate it when people are like, oh, you're just talking semantics. Yeah. Like, well, you're just... I don't know, but you need to go away now. It is a way of dismissing <laughs> an argument for basically saying that you're you're not agreeing with me because we're arguing about what the words mean. Mm. So if you would just agree with my definition of what the words mean, you would agree with me. Which is a little bit... I think that's the whole thing, though. You have to know that you were... Well, I mean, it's very much just classic high school writing to say, define your terms. Mm Mm-hmm. You say, when I say gobbledygook, Mm -hmm. what I mean is nonsense. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. And you might not like it. Maybe you're like, well, I think gobbledygook is a wonderful word and actually comes from the origins in late gobble town where they would talk about the festivities of gobbledygook. The, the patron saint of Gobbletown. And, oh, Gook is the, sa- the yeah, patron saint yeah, of Gobbletown. Okay. Yeah. And so I don't like you saying that it means nonsense. I think it should just mean happiness. Mm. So that would be a, a semantic argument that you're arguing about what gobbledygook means. And is that example in itself an example of gobbledygook? Yes. <laughs> either way, either definition. Either definition. <laughs> <laughs> it falls right in there. No, I always appreciate that with Mortimer Adler talking about uh, discussing and debating. And he encourages people to always say, did I understand you to say this? And like, did you mean this by what you said then? Mm -hmm. Which is actually trickier than you might think because you actually have to put into your own words what they said instead of just regurgitating back what they said. Yes. And, and it's harder to answer because then they're like, no, because like you just say it the way that you say, and then they're saying it in a different way. And you're like, do I agree with you or not? And it it gets harder, but those are the poignant. Am I understanding you to say that when one is engaged in discourse in order to fully comprehend the opposing side's meaning and character, it is invaluable to articulate that opposed viewpoint in one's own vernacular. <laughs> Darn tootin'. Darn tootin' there, cowboy. Speaking of cowboys. <coughs> <laughs> no, bringing it, bringing it back to cowboys. The Comancheros. Well, how do we find resolution in this whole thing? Because when do you, when do you know that? Oh, okay. Go ahead. Well, I guess I just thought it's interesting with the love interest for a cutter. Oh, yeah. It has to do with words as well, right? Because there's this widowed woman, and Cutter is also a widower, and they visit them because 
there's the Indians. The Comanches are driving out the homesteaders, and so Cotter and Regret go and get uh, this woman, Melinda, played by Joan O'Brien. You know, they're packing up, and it's obvious that they like each other. Mm -hmm. And Regret says, give me one good reason why you don't marry that woman. And Cotter says, well, I haven't got one. So he can't put into words why he doesn't ask her to marry him. Which I thought was interesting. Well, you know, yeah. he doesn't have a good reason. He can't put it into words. He just yeah. hasn't done it because he's hanging on. Because, I mean, his wife died two years ago. But, yeah. you know, he hasn't. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it just thought it was no, interesting that he yeah. couldn't put into words of like, oh, I'm still hung up on this, you know, my, my wife. Or I'm still like, he just ha- doesn't have the words because yeah. he doesn't know why he's not asking. Yeah. Do you think that that's what it is, is if he could articulate why he wouldn't actually have why mm-hmm. so it's the it's the nebulous it's the thing. nebulous and i think that's the struggle he's having is because usually he has the words to like say like either i'm going to do this or not he's like yeah. very much like i he sees it he calls it how it is and he's like okay this is my judgment on it and like this is my oath i did this this is my code but then when it comes to this woman he doesn't actually have a good reason yeah and he's conflicted because of his past love, his, yeah. his, 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 his former wife. And then that's, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Is that he, and that, is that, yeah, being conflicted. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing. There's more depths to this movie, the more you look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I find it interesting too, that the depths all relate to each other. Yeah, well, that's what you said is good, good writing. Mm-hmm. It, it's clear in its focus. What makes the movie satisfying is because the characters do change in that way and, that, and they interact with the theme in that they, they grow up, they, they develop that theme of living by words you mean. Well, I'm sure words are what men live by. Words they say and mean. And that's ultimately the the very climax is that regret and Pilar, they do say that I love you. Yeah. And and mean that. And mean exactly that, the words that they speak. Yeah. Yeah. Regret is forced into taking the Texas Ranger oath, right? Because to get out of being hanged. Yeah. But then later, uh, when they're when Cutter and Regret are held prisoners with the Comancheros, you know, Regret's like, okay, and then we, you know, got to jump this guy and we got to get this gun and we got to, yeah. you know, how we're going to get out of here. And then all of a sudden Cutter's like, who are you? Yeah. Like, you're an actual ranger now. Yeah. You know, finally your words and actions are aligning. And yeah. you didn't act like it right after you took the oath, but now you are like, yeah. now you're getting it. Yeah. So many of those little things where when you dig into it, you're like, wow, that they do follow that whole theme. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Makes it very exciting to watch. Yeah. And, and, and to like rewatch. You said, yeah, and rewatch. And that's what, like you were saying, like it makes it very satisfying. Yeah. Yeah, they, they change in a satisfying way. And I think that's what makes a satisfying story. Yeah. And Cotter changes the least. Right. You know, I mean, the, the movie isn't really about him either. No, I mean, he's... He's the, the, the good influence that corrupts. <laughs> no, bring, brings, you know, like, is the example of, like, 
how to like how can you actually live right. by your words? Yeah, but at the same time, you're you're never really concerned about how he, he's going to act and because of no. that, right? He yeah. he he is the because one he's who consistent. he is consistent. Yeah, and so it's us looking at regret of like what's going to happen to him, and of course, like like there there is like danger of like oh the commentaries are going to kill these guys. Yeah. Like, there's that, like, the plot, but, like, you're not worried for the character of the character, Cutter. Yes, exactly. He may die, but he's not going to be a sellout. Yeah, and Pilar has to change, too. Oh, yeah. Which and is, is nice that that is, like, the two, the, like, that love interest, they both have to mm-hmm. to change, and they both have to mature. The big bad guy at the end is, is actually kind of interesting, right? Because yeah. he he's a little bit somebody who... who who his action and his words they they line up too mm-hmm. but he doesn't he, he's a bad person he's a very bad person right yeah and that my word is law and my word is final yeah yeah and he well, i'm th- trying i don't want to say jive but he kind of jives with cutter like he kind of like he sees he cutter, like he recognizes uh game recognizes that's game that's is game recognizes game. Yeah. Oh, it's been driving me crazy. I couldn't think of that saying. Game recognizes game. Oh, that's hilarious. It's kind of that. Yeah, because they're both men who who say words and then live by them. Yeah. Where he right away, where the bad guys right away sees through regret is kind of a flightier yeah. person. I, and I hope, I hope this kind of whets your appetite to, to watch it and to pay attention pay attention to it uh like i said at the beginning it's it's every movie has themes and you know variations on those themes and you know and when i say message it's not like oh let's you know pull the moral out of this but your characters have to say something right they're gonna say something anyways they're gonna say something anyways and so to have such tight writing and to have a clear message where they're not throwing in a, you know, twenty different ideas, and none of them develop. Right. They take one idea, Fall they, that they all push the it all the way through. Is is really good, and it's a very it's an exciting movie. It's a fun family movie. It's you know has fantastic music. Yep, by Elmer Bernstein. <laughs> So it's just a really fun movie to watch and is one that you can just sit and relax and, you know, enjoy it time and time again. But it's, it's also cool to see the, the, that attention to detail and that. And I think that what makes it something that you'll enjoy watching 
multiple times. Like, I think that I is... Think that, I think that's what makes it a piece of art rather than just sheer entertainment. And, I mean, it's not the greatest movie ever made. No, but, like, I it's... mean, there's lots of paintings out there that are art that aren't the greatest painting ever Absolutely. made. Absolutely. Right? And it doesn't mean that you can't have it in your home and enjoy it for yeah. what it is. Yeah. And, honestly, it's a, it's a good reminder that you need to pay attention to your words. Yeah, I agree. And pay attention to your your code of conduct and how the two align. Yeah. And watch it in a exciting Western setting with fun actors. Lee Marvin up against John Wayne. These two huge personalities is a great cameo. Like it's such a great, it's a very fun scene. Yeah. So really, soothingness, <laughs> really good interactions there. Uh, yeah, so it, it's it's got a lot of great moments. Uh, I like I love the guy in in jail. And Ed, there and Ed there McBain. again though, like it's all about words though too, mm-hmm. right? Because he's like, he he's he's a liar. Ed McBain. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Right. Yep. In a very funny way, they show like, well, he, you can't trust him. Yeah. And you don't want to be him. Go watch the movie. Enjoy. Enjoy. Yeah. Have fun with it. Pl- trust me, the plot is more fun than my synopsis <laughs> led led you to believe. Are we gonna plug anything? Oh, we should plug bandanas because. You watch Western, you just want to look like them. Like, for me, I, like, I love the dust. I love the color palette. I'm so inspired by Westerns. They America's true genre. Yeah, it's it's that Americana and that it's, it's unique to America. And it's just, I don't know, it just looks, it's timeless. That, that I don't know, that the, the browns and the blues and the reds and the creams and the taupes and the all the things and like it looks so good and so if you want to look like a cowboy or a cowgirl you should get one of our plant dyed bandanas which are larger than the average bandana on the market now they're not as large as you actually would have had in cowboy times those right, would be huge yeah I don't know if these are tr- quite big enough to like tie your arm up in a sling. Maybe a small sling. Yeah, a, a child's sling. Yes. Or you just like hold your arm up really high. Yeah. Like they're pretty big though. Yeah. Definitely could stem the bleeding of a nasty knife. Cut. Oh, you could definitely tourniquet yeah. with it. Yeah. And what's cool. We of- should do a video on that. <laughs> blood to blood everywhere. Yeah. Who would have thought the old man would have so much blood in him? That'd be really fun. Yeah, we can do that. You gonna get cut or who or am I? Sure. Okay. Cut me, Mick. <laughs> I don't know. I could do it either way. But yeah, and and what I was gonna say about the bandanas. Yeah. Because their plant died. They will blend in perfectly with all of nature's landscapes. So you can go to Arizona or West Texas and you will, nothing will be jarring about this because the, the plant dies. Well, that has to do with the the, the color theory you're, you're saying, right? That the, because they're not uh, artificial, that they don't, artificial dyes, they have a a fakeness to them. They don't match things. Uh, Hence the artificialness. But that's just semantics. Yeah. (laughs) 
Uh, no, well, when you have artificial dyes, like, you you have to worry about warm and cool tones, and so, you know, you, you run into that, whereas you don't have that really with, you don't have that with natural dyes, that all the colors together blend really well, uh, and blend really well with your, your natural surroundings. But not, like, in a camouflage type No, of not way. camouflage, but, like, you know, you know, like, when colors are off, like, you put, like, you think you're like, oh, this shirt is green, and this is... Uh, purple. I don't know. We'll say that. I wore green and purple today, so that's what we're going with. You've had it, like, I don't know if you've ever had it where you've, you've, like, oh, these colors should go together, and then you put it on, and it looks horrible. Mm. Because one's warm, and one's cool, and one's, you know, not saturated enough, and one's way too saturated, and they clash, even though, in theory, it should work. It's just because... The, the dyes, values aren't the, the right. values aren't right, and like I said, like that warm and cool is really what makes a huge difference. Okay, you don't have that issue with natural dyes. Is that you could you could throw on a whole bunch of different dyed dyed things, and it would it would look like you, there's combinations that look better than others, obviously, but it's not going to have that like ow that hurts my eyeballs. Okay. So if you want a bandana that doesn't go ow that hurts my eyeballs. Then Pick head it. over to Ducks Never Waver uh, <laughs> at Etsy. <laughs> Link is in the description, as always. You can find other fun stuff there, too, uh, like our email list, where we notify you for all fun Got to say, fun the stuff. email is well worth your time. I know and it's it, all I know. words. Yes. I said I swore I know. Words. One sure words are what men live by. Words they say and mean. He must have had a real careless upbringing. Well, and his words that we say and we mean. <coughs> yes, but what came first, the picture or the words, or so the it, or the thing in the picture of the words, or the words of the pictures of the thing? So <laughs> that didn't make any. Unlike sense. this conversation, the email is really worth your time. <laughs> really succinct. Well crafted. <laughs> makes sense. And clearly not written by us. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is. I know that you, if you're like me, you get bombarded with a ton of emails anyways. Most of them trying to get you to buy something. Mm-hmm. And these are trying to get you to buy something. But that's not the foremost thing. Yeah. And deal like with. we actually have funny, uh, what are the headers? Yes. Where it's not like, oh, 30% off, blah. Yeah. Like, who cares? Like, nobody looks at that. You know, like, we all want 30% off, but, like, everybody does that. I know. That's old news. That's old news. So, like, we don't even tell you when that happens. That's right. Until we do. Like, that usually happens at the end. Yeah. There's kind of, like, hidden sales, so... Yeah, it's like an Easter egg hunt. Exactly. Yeah. And at the end of every uh, email, you're going to get extra hoppiness. Yeah. Guaranteed. Guaranteed every single time. So, little little check it out. Love. If you're not subscribed to the newsletter already, then you gotta click on the links and get subscribed. And while you're doing that, you're on the internet. You're doing stuff. I know you're doing stuff. If you're doing the clickety clackety, tap tap thing with your thumbs and and, and, and other and, digits. Yeah, other digits. Don't uh, don't leave out the pointer finger. Then you may as well grab a bandana. Yeah. Before they're gone. One of a kind. <gasps> All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Stay, Stay quacky. quacky. All right.